got your notes there, then let's just go ahead and get right into this this morning. <clears throat> we've, we've launched every week with this concept and this thought, and I like to have th- run a thread all the way through our series, and this has been our thread, that in Christ, nothing, 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 nothing should stop us in our growth to know God better and to trust Him more. And it is time for us to get over the stuff that's holding us back. You talk to any believer and and all of us are going to say, you know what? Yeah, I want to know God better. I'd like my relationship to be a little bit better. We all have that thing. I don't care if the the most holy, wonderful person you know that's a believer and and then those that are just getting started. We want to be closer to God. So what's the holdup? What's the break? What makes the difference? Well, over and over again, typically... It's our responses to things. And that's why we've been looking at, at, at dealing with ourselves and dealing with others and then dealing with opinions. And, and then this week we're going to be dealing with disappointment. You see, Romans 8, we've looked at this verse every week, says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. I love that word, conqueror. And then you put the more in front of it. It's not just somebody who ekes out a victory, somebody who drags themselves off the playing field and, ooh, we barely made it. No, a conqueror is the one standing strong at the end of this thing. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, and we've talked about this every week, sometimes living for God's harder than dying for him. Sometimes you might could just in one moment where you just had to put it all on the line and, and, and maybe take a stand for Christ in this place of, of, uh, uh, of persecution or something. And, but to, to be a living sacrifice, to give your whole life to him each and every day, that can be a bigger challenge. And not even that can separate us. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It just changes everything, everything. So being a devoted follower of Christ means letting nothing, nothing at all stop you from living the full life that Jesus provides and not even the disappointments of life. I tell you what, disappointments can be rough. They can, be, they can be difficult and they can actually, if we don't deal with this, they can lock us down to where we just, we just stall out completely. We've had the opportunity to, to begin to, to uh, minister together. There's a number, we office downtown and there's a number of homeless people that are downtown. And uh, people that literally live on a bench down by the river. I mean, that's where they sleep, literally. And, um, and so there's... Uh, um, uh, some that we haven't have contact with, and I was talking to one before the holidays and asked him what were his holiday plans. And so, what are your what are your holiday plans? And uh, I said, well, I I quit making plans. I don't like I don't make plans at all. I don't have any plans whatsoever. And he said because they never work, and I just can't handle the disappointment. Well, consequently, it, it, to 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 decide where you're going to live the next day is a plan. To decide what you're going to eat your next meal is a plan. And to not be willing to deal with disappointment will back you all the way to a place of simply living moment by moment and being kicked around by whatever circumstance has. See, we're supposed to be people of vision. We're supposed to be people of faith. We're supposed to be people that that have God breathe His plan into our hearts because He has a plan for every one of us. And begin to move forward to that. And a lot of times, because the word tells us we see through a glass darkly. 
We don't have necessarily all the pieces. And we think it may go this way. And then when it doesn't, boom, disappointment. It's right there. You know, there's disappointments on all levels. There's disappointments on, on all things. There can be little disappointments. And so uh, we, you know, uh, went to, uh, uh, I won't do this too, baby. I was going to talk about the free bird burrito deal. But. <laughs> we, uh, my, we love Chipotle. Some of you might not like Chipotle. There are people who love Chipotle. If you're in the world of ginormous burritos, okay, there's Chipotle and there's free birds. Okay? They both have way too big burritos. Okay? Just should never be that big. But we get them anyways because it's a special treat because we go out of town. And my wife loves Chipotle, and so we went out of town. We were going to go to Chipotle, and we, but we had never tried Freebirds. Heard, oh, Freebirds, 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 we're going to eat Freebirds. So we go over to Freebirds, and we go to order the burrito. My wife was like, initially, no, 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 I want to stay with my tried and true Chipotle. And now, okay, I want to preface this, okay? She was, she was pregnant, okay? So there were some extra hormones, some emotions. There was some extra stuff going on you know and she really likes chipotle so we stand in line we order she gets her burrito she orders as close to her chipotle order as she possibly can she gets her burrito there from Freebirds, and she bites into it and we look over and there's a little tear i'm not joking this is not an exaggeration is it dear you cried didn't you admit it she did she was overwhelmed with disappointment. It did not taste like Chipotle. And I just learned that when a pregnant lady is crying, you just deal with that real easy. You just, ah, uh, what do you do? Do you run? Do you hug? I don't know. You have the Holy Spirit to give you guidance is what you do. And, uh, but there can be this disappointment, these disappointments. And, uh, and so when those things come, sometimes they're little and they can, they can knock us off track. Sometimes they're really, really big things. I mean, there's some things where, I mean, your heart is just fully engaged. And things don't go the way they're supposed to go. We sit here and, and, and Colin being with us is a huge, huge win. Because we had two really rough miscarriages before her. And those are gut-wrenching, horrendous disappointments. Your heart is fully engaged. You're totally expecting. That's what we call it. And then ah, this appointment just it's just horrible. You know, and we some of them are, are little in life that can trip us, and some of them are huge. But we have to be willing to give those things to God and be able to move forward with disappointment. Because I tell you what, ultimately, ultimately, some of the biggest attacks can come where we're, where is our assignment and our call in our life. And I want us to look at the life of Joseph. There's, this guy is the poster child for disappointment for about 13 years of his life. After that, man, things begin to just shift. For about 13 years of his life, he was just the poster child for disappointment. Now, the, the assignment, the gifting, the, the thing he was supposed to do in life, he was supposed to be a right-hand man. He was supposed to be a go-to, trustworthy leader as a right-hand man. That was what he was supposed to do. Now, we pick him up in Genesis 37. Okay, and when the Genesis 37, he's his daddy's right hand man. At this point, he's the baby boy of the family. He's got these older brothers and they're all running the family business of shepherding. And he's his daddy's right hand man. 
Okay? And his daddy sends him out to check on the business. Now, who on earth wants to have some 17-year-old kid come check on a bunch of 20, 30, 40-year-old men supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing? They don't want that. It rubbed them the wrong way. Okay? So it rubbed them so the wrong way, they decide they're going to kill him. They're going to just take him out. We're tired of him being daddy's favorite. Now, he had had some dreams, and he kind of flaunted, and he ran his little immature mouth off like he probably shouldn't have. He threw some wood on the fire himself. But then this is what they decide to do. Let's look at verse 28. It says, So when the Midianites came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, or the pit, or the well, and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So here he is. He has risen to the top in his family. He is his daddy's go-to guy. And he gets sold into slavery. Okay? His brothers turn on him. He easily could have said, I ain't going to be trustworthy anymore. I'm not going to be the go-to guy anymore. That gets me nowhere. Nope, he doesn't. He gets, goes in and gets bought by a man named Potiphar. He goes in and he is faithful and he quickly, as a slave, becomes his right-hand man. He becomes his number two guy, his trustworthy guy, to the point that Potiphar didn't even check on anything that went on in his house. He knew that it was all okay. Well, the Word tells us that Joseph was a good-looking man. He was ripped. He was solid. He he was good-looking. And Potiphar's wife was not a Proverbs 31 woman. She was not a woman of integrity. And she decided she liked the look of that young man. And she began to put the moves on him. Big time. And it said to the point daily she is just throwing herself at him. And he is like, no, no, this would be horrible. You're, you're, I, I could not do this to my master. I can't do this to him. Finally, she can't take it anymore. And she lunges at him and she grabs him. This woman's got it bad. And he... Awesome young man, wrenches away, leaves his cloak there. He has to peel himself out of his clothes to get away, runs away. And she is so screaming mad that then when Potiphar, her husband, comes home, she says, he tried to rape me, he threw himself at me, and look, he left his cloak. He was taking his clothes off, and here it is. Totally lies. What's Potiphar going to do? He believes her. And now he ends up in prison. Genesis thirty-nine twenty. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So here he is. He's the right-hand man. He's the go-to guy. He's what he's doing, supposed to be doing. And now he's not just a slave. He had it good as a slave. I mean, he, was, he, was, he had slaves under him. He was, he was doing okay. And now he's in prison. He could have said, forget this. Forget this. I'm not doing this anymore. He's in the prison. It doesn't take him long at all. And he rises as a prisoner to the top of the thing in prison to where the the guy in charge of the prison, instead of the other Egyptians that should be his right-hand man, a prisoner, Joseph becomes his right-hand man. And Joseph is running the prison as a prisoner and is faithful to do it. Is doing it right. Is this man's go-to guy. His right-hand man is faithful and doing it right. He finally then has this opportunity. The king gets mad. Pharaoh gets mad. Has a couple of servants tick him off one day. He chunks them both into prison. While they're there, they have these dreams. Freak them out. Joseph says, well, you know, tell me the dreams. So he dreams. God gives him the interpretation. God gives it to him. 
He tells them both the interpretations and said, tells the one who's going to make it. Tells one of them, you're going to die, buddy. They're going to take your head off your shoulders, honestly. Bad news for you. But you, you're going to be restored. And when you get restored to your position, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Let's look at Genesis 40, 14. It says, and when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He did not want to be there, but he was faithful while he was there. It's not his, wasn't his ideal spot, but he was faithful while he was there. And he was ready to get out. And then the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Here he is being faithful. Here he was used by God to interpret these guys' dreams and was right. And they shaft him again. I do the right thing, I get shafted. I do the right thing, I get shafted. Somehow, the more I do right, the lower I go. I go to a slave, I go to prisoner, and now I'm there. I have my one way out, and I'm stuck. A couple of years go by. And now, the Pharaoh's having some dreams. And the cupbearer's like, ah, I remember, yeah, it's Joseph guy. He totally told me what was going to happen and that you were going to restore me, and here I am. I'm, I'm putting your cup in your hand. You might want to talk to him. There he is. He's, now, this, also, this process started when he was 17. Now he's 30 years old in the prison. He interprets the dream for the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh's like, what should be done? And he says, you need to get a wise person to be in charge of all of this stuff. There's about to be this big, everything's going to be awesome and then everything's going to be ugly. You need to have somebody to get everybody ready for the ugly. And he said, I don't know anybody more wise than you. And he became the number two to Pharaoh. He became the go-to guy for the most powerful nation in the entire world at that time. At 30 years old, he goes from the bottom to the top. He had disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And then we'll get to what ultimately was God was up to there. We look at Genesis chapter 40. <clears throat> oh, we already looked at that, sorry. Judges chapter 6. Now we're looking at Gideon. Here's Gideon. He's... He's there. They're in the promised land. God's done all this stuff to get them there. They're the, now the people of Israel. It's years and years and years after Joseph. And they're in the promised land. But they're whooped. They're hiding. They're living in caves and stuff. And here the angel of the Lord comes to him in verse 12. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has this all happened? Where are the wonders that are fathers told us about and when they said did not the lord bring us out of egypt but the lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of midian so here's gideon who's living in disappointment we're supposed to be like on top here we're hiding everything's everything nothing's like it's supposed to be seriously you're if you're with us why are we doing this why are we hiding just don't feel like you're on our side god Anybody ever been at that place? God, and I don't feel like you're on my side. I read the Bible. It says you're for me. If you could be for me, who could be against me? God, are you really for me? This is, this is tough here, God. But then in verse 14, it says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? I tell you what, there people are, we're all dealing with disappointment on some level. We are. 
And the answer right now is to begin right where you are with the strength you've got. With the trust you've got, with the faith you've got, with where you're at. I love it that God never tells us that our starting point is any other place than where we are. Where is your turnaround point? Right where you are. You don't have to backtrack and finally get back to this place and now I can turn my life around. No, it's right where you are. Go with what you got. Go with what you got. As we begin to deal with disappointment, start there. Then we'll get into this place in Luke 24. where We've got some of the disciples that had followed Jesus. They had followed Jesus' teachings. They had followed Jesus. Jesus all the way to the cross. And boy, they thought that it was all going to work. And I just want to go ahead and jump into verse 20. It says, in the chief priests and our rulers, these guys are, these are after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And they're walking with Jesus down the road to Emmaus, and they don't, they're not catching it. They don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus is talking to them about what, they're, what they were, because they were chattering about Jesus' death. And he's asking them about it. And it says, and then the chief priests and our rulers handed him, Jesus, over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, this is the third day since it all took place. We really thought it was going to work out different. We thought he was the Messiah. He died. They crucified him. We saw it with our own two eyes. We, we thought he was the one. And there they are talking to him in the flesh and then he goes through and this, as the scripture you continue to read in luke he begins to explain how all was going to go down out of the out of the the prophets and the and begin to show them everything finally in the breaking of bread they go in there with you they it, they recognize ah, this is jesus and then they run back into town and tell everybody jesus is alive we just talked to him but they were living in that place of utter disappointment Total, total disappointment. We have to be willing to understand that God's not blindsided by our disappointment. That all of the heroes of faith have had doubts and questions and disappointments. You know, it's not this thing that, well, you know, if I'm really living my life and really pursuing God right, then everything's kind of going to go how I thought it was going to go. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. We see through a glass darkly. We, we, we go with what we know. And then we trust God with the rest. And sometimes things don't go like we think they're going to go. Steve Lahon shared a story this week um, about uh, that years ago they were needing to buy a house. And like this house and, and put, a, put an offer on the house, a full price offer. I mean, are you serious when you offer full price? Well, they end up having somebody come in and offer more than full price and buy the house for more than. And they were just totally disappointed. Just really going, I really thought. But they were really seeking God during this time and praying that God's hand would be on it. And then it didn't happen. And they were disappointed. And he got the benefit, the privilege, of getting to find out that God's hand was really in that. Because he had, he's a locksmith and he got to do some work at the house next door. And he's telling the owner, hey, I was almost your neighbor. Like, what? Like, yeah, I almost bought the house next to you. Oh, be glad you didn't. As soon as those people did it, they ended up, all this stuff was wrong with the house. And they had to pull an extra $40,000 line of credit to fix everything that was wrong with this house. Be glad that you did not buy this house. 
You know, sometimes there are things in our lives that God's protecting us from. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some things in our, in our lives. We get to we get to heaven and, and some of our greatest disappointments are going to be our greatest victories. And we won't even know it. We won't have known it here. We're not always let in on the this was this was it. Steve got let in on it. There's been some things I've been let in on. There's some other things I'm going, God, all right. OK, let's go. So when we do this. We need to know that God is still God and that he will work things for our good. Romans eight twenty eight. we hear it all the time to the point that it can become trite. But folks, it is the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Genesis 20. This is, this is Joseph, his story at this point. At this point, his brother's his dad, all of the family, 75 people moved to Egypt and they become protected during this time of famine. During this time, these brothers that threw him and sold him into slavery, he's forgiven them. He has operated in a, in a, in a, in a way and has forgiven them and is bringing them for him to watch over them and take care of them and all that. And this is his answer to them because they just don't, they just don't feel like that he can really forgive them. And this is his answer in, in Genesis 50. Don't you see? You planned evil against me. But God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now. Life for many people. God really can take things that other people are just vicious and mean and ugly with. And God, when we let him. When we continue to do these things like Joseph did. Which is just keep, keep our hearts right. I'm just going to stay with what I know I'm supposed to be doing. It seems like that's taking me down the wrong path. But he just stayed with it. So, what should be our response to disappointment? Well, sometimes we need to make some personal adjustments. As the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay? Sometimes some of the things that we're are, are causing disappointments are us. We're making some boneheaded mistakes. We're making some non-life-giving decisions. And, you know, we're wanting to do something that leads to death and ask God to make it have life. You can't do that. That's why there are things that, that the Holy Spirit will have you to do and not to do. Because some choices are life-giving and some choices aren't. We don't live by the law and we don't have to honor We don't have to, to earn God's love and forgiveness because since we're under Christ. But there are still things that if you do those things that the law said, you know, this is this brings destruction. It's, it can still be hurtful. And there are things we got to make some adjustments on as the Holy Spirit leads us to make adjustments. You say, well, you know, well, there are times that, you know, I, I just I feel just this this real conviction of the Holy Spirit. Well, good. Sometimes you need it. Second Corinthians seven ten says godly sorrow, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation now this salvation folks this isn't just the what, what, I, what i talk about is that stepping over from death to life that's the beginning process of salvation okay that we are no longer bound for hell we are now gods and, and heaven is our home because we've placed our faith in him and then there's this process of him working the salvation all the way through us changing us from the inside out this godly sorrow that brings repentance, it leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow brings death. I know people who are stuck, stuck, stuck through the disappointments in life and worldly sorrow and they just have not gotten past them at all. 
Godly sorrow lets us make the necessary adjustments and move on. Focus. Also, we need to focus on the grace and goodness of God. Psalms 43 says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise my Savior and my God. Sometimes we catch ourselves being disappointed and maybe even getting into the place of despair and even depressed if we let it go that far. And we catch ourselves there. Sometimes we need to do that. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you doing this? Put your trust in God. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves to do that. First Thessalonians 5 says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. You disappointed me, so I'm going to disappoint you. Pay back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, this is not because God made all circumstances. It's that we're to give thanks and give our, keep our focus on Him in all circumstances. If you want to get through something, you focus on God in it. Don't focus on it. You focus on it, you're going to stay there. Psalm 55 also says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. And He will never let the righteous fall. And then this last one. Sometimes this can be the toughest one of all. It says, but be courageous. I put that word courageous in there because sometimes it just takes you just mustering up and reaching down and getting something deep to go ahead and do the right thing. Even when you don't feel like it. There's a video we're about to run. It's off of YouTube, so the it's a little grainy and it's a little rough, but man, it just communicates. It just communicates so, so beautifully. What? I want to say.
And sometimes it just feels like you've put it all in, you've done everything, and then right at the most important moment ever, catastrophe. Things just, just a trip, just a little misstep, just a little something out of place. And seeming like it's all over. Seeming like it's all over. But I love that, that, that reminder, that truth. That man, I tell you what, God is in the business of taking these things despite our falls. Despite, I tell you what, that was the best race of that young lady's life. It was. She was probably going to win it no matter what. And she's probably won a lot of races. But you know what? That was the best race of her life. But not because simply of the win. But just to not give up. To not stop. To not stop. That is why we, God is in the process of moving us forward. We are a move forward people. That's why we're purposed to not try to be judgmental. Like, okay, so what? You fail. All right. Get up. We're still in it. The race is still going. Let's do this. And we can all still have our best race, our best win, despite, despite the falls and the trips and the stumbles and the stuff of life, the disappointments and the setbacks. James 1 tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish. Patience must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's stay the course. Patience lets us get to that place of being mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's stay the course. Let's get this done. Galatians 6 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at that proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not faint. And you know what? Sometimes Psalms 126 is is true. Sometimes it is. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow. That's the right thing for a farmer to do. A farmer has to sow his seeds. Sometimes even when he don't feel like it. But he who goes out weeping, distraught, upset, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves, carrying the harvest, carrying that end result with him. And sometimes that we get out of bed crying. Sometimes we make the next step weeping. Sometimes we decide to get over the disappointments on purpose and move forward on purpose. But I tell you what, what a glorious thing when God brings that victory into our lives. What a beautiful thing to be a part of. This morning, while I want to just create a quiet moment. I want to create a quiet moment here. Folks, if, if you're away from God, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, you know what? <laughs> this race, this race is, is, the, is the typical Christian race, okay? She didn't start all of a sudden from that faith-planted position. She started and then fell. You know, so many people are afraid to give their lives to God because they don't think they can live this Christianity thing outright perfect. You're not going to the first time. Maybe not the second or third or the 107th. But as we live in the grace, he works himself through us and makes it. But we have to have the boldness and the courage to say, you know what? I'm willing to get in the starting blocks and move with this. And now that place is recognizing that you need a savior and that Jesus is him. That Jesus stepped up, that he did the death that you and I needed done. My sin, your sin, all sin demanded a death. 
I was born in sin, lived in sin, would die in sin without Christ. That's all of us. The best and the worst of us. And we needed somebody to step in and pay the price of death on our behalf. And Jesus did that. And we can step over from death to life by just believing he did it for us. And putting our, our sin pile onto his. And then taking the life he gives us and saying it's mine. And then daring to run. Knowing that if we trip in grace we can rise again. And keep going. That's the Christian life. That's what this is folks. It's not turning over a new leaf saying I'm going to be good from here on. It's saying God I need you to be good through me. I need you to be yourself through me. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. I don't want anybody looking around. Just, just raise your hand. If that's you, 